that that's what you know I think keeps us the hobby and the love of it alive is that you know you've never figured it all out you've never you've never gotten um there's you know that's the beauty of the, these kind of sports is you're never you're never figured it all out you've never done everything you've never you know it's not like a video game where you beat the game you that never happens Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to snowboarder Danny Davis. Danny is known for his creativity as a rider, but he also has an enormous passion and a strong vision for the sport of snowboarding that, whether or not you're a snowboarder, is quite inspiring. Danny is an extremely well-rounded rider, and while he might have made a name for himself in the halfpipe, Danny and I start the conversation by talking about splitboarding and why he spent so much time this past season in the backcountry. I also talked to Danny about his signature event, Peace Park 6, that airs this Sunday, November 26th, on ABC at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 p.m. Pacific. If you don't know Peace Park, it is, without question, one of the coolest events, not just in snowboarding, but in all of snow sports. And my advice is that skiers ought to pay very close attention to what Danny's got going with Peace Park, then steal an idea or two from Danny's event. In our conversation, Danny and I talk about what makes Peace Park so unique, why he thinks it's pretty critical for the future success of snowboarding, and why it ought to have its own tour and probably ought to become its own unique discipline. Danny and I also talk about the Olympics, contest culture, and the halfpipe and slope style scene. And throughout our conversation, Danny offers his take on some fellow riders, such as Sean White, Scotty James, Ben Ferguson, Terrier Hawkinson, and Scotty Lego. Whether you love snowboarding, or climbing, or skiing, or skating, or surfing, I guarantee that you will come away from this conversation viewing the sports you're most passionate about with fresh eyes. This episode of the Blister Podcast is presented by the Mountain Collective. We've said it before, there are a number of multi-resort ski passes out there, but in our opinion, no other pass can match the number of world-class ski areas that are included in this collection. And let's get real brass tacks here for a minute. Before your time is up on this earth, there are a bunch of Mountain Collective ski areas you should visit before you kick the bucket. Maybe you've already been to Squaw or Jackson Hole or Snowbird or Telluride, and if you haven't, you should go. But with the Mountain Collective Pass, you can also go check out Chamonix or the Hakaba Valley of Japan. Or maybe it's time to head to Canada to check out Revelstoke or Lake Louise or Banff. So stop assuming that you've got all the time in the world, then go to mountaincollective.com to check out the entire list of Mountain Collective ski areas and to pick up your pass. And now, let's get to my conversation with Danny Davis. Hey, Danny, how are you and where are you today? I am home in Truckee, California. I'm doing great. Just got back from a really, really fun two weeks in Europe of shredding some half pipe and we got some early season snow. So I am, I'm fantastic. So where were you? I was in a place called Kitsteinhorn, which is in Austria. Mm -hmm. It's a glacier 
um, that basically I've never been there before and oh my gosh, what an incredible mountain. Um, I can't, I can't wait to go back actually. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really fun trip and, uh, yeah, I can't wait to go back and do some, some touring there and, and some pow riding when, when everything's filled in. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, how are you feeling right now? How, how are things on the injury versus healthy front for you at the moment? Everything's really good. Um, I've definitely had my fair share of injuries over the years, yeah. but, uh, it's been, it's been a good little run, knock on wood and, um, everything feels good. I'm just been riding as much half pipe as possible going into this contest season. Yeah. Um, I wrote a lot of, a lot of like back country and, and deeper snow last year. And I only did three contests and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this year and giving it, giving it an honest effort um, and really just spending some time on putting together some cool contest runs that I've never done. And the body is, is feeling good, man. I, I think I'm stronger than ever hmm. and, uh, and my half pipe skills are probably sharper than ever. So uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Dude, that's saying something. Yeah. Dear, dear competition, just a heads up. <laughs> feeling yeah. better than ever and sharper than ever yeah and so are all the other bucks though you know there's yeah. a lot of young kids who are killing it yeah so they push me and and maybe i push them at times uh so it's you know the the contest world of snowboarding is such a healthy um contest world you know you're high-fiving everybody up yeah. there you go to these camps um you, you know you're eating dinner and going out with a lot of these kids and and shred and pow when, when it happens. And so, you know, it's really, we're really lucky. We're not in a, in a, in a, <clears throat> in an industry that really is, is, uh, about the, about being the best or about being, um, you know, beating everybody. It's about, about shredding and doing your own thing and, and having style when you do it. Hmm. By the way, when you said, you know, you were guess saying last year you did three contests, but we're spending some more time just riding pow. Was that primarily because you were still healing up or was that no, just taking just a break? I kind of knew that this year was going to be, you know, I think right as of right now, I scheduled to do uh, about six or seven contests. Okay. Um, so just knowing that going into this year, uh, knowing that I'm going to do a bunch of that, it's going to pretty much until March be all about contests. I just took last year to ride and it was really good here in Tahoe. Mm -hmm. And it's been a while since I've been home and had a season at home. So I got to be home a lot. I got to really dive into split boarding, which is something that um, I've really been been getting stoked on and and you know just putting myself in some situations that I've never been in and learning a bit about a part of snowboarding that I know absolutely nothing about I mean you know from snowmobiling and and getting out there when the snow is really good and getting better at that whole thing uh to split boarding and crampons and ice axes and riding yeah. steep lines and riding some stuff that you know sometimes you're 
you got this objective in mind. We're going to go ride this cooler or whatever. And you get in there and the snow sucks, but you still ride it. And <laughs> more about the adventure yeah. than the actual uh, shred. So it's, it, it was just a season that I've always wanted to have of just, just really just doing what I want and not really having to feel so so much like I have to focus on contests. So I was actually very healthy last year. It was a really fun year and um and and definitely looking forward to to this year and kind of being being that contest slave in a way. Um <laughs> and 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 really um sticking to it, you know. Uh I'm I'm excited to get take the contest kind of full on and, and be all about that this year. That's really cool. In talking about the split boarding side of things. So were you saying last season was really kind of your introduction to that? I mean, I've been dabbling in it for quite some years. I mean, split boarding is a great way when I have had some injuries yeah. to get out and go ride without, um, you know, stressing the body too much, really keeping, keeping yourself on the ground not really leaving the snow um, and, you know, building some muscles that need to be built because, you know, you've kind of sat around for a while. When I broke my femur in 2012, splitboarding was a big way for me to start snowboarding early and, you know, do, do what the doctors were saying was okay um, and not, not going ahead of my, you know, kind of what I should be in terms of rehab. Um, but it was a way for me to just stay in tune with my shredding and, and, and be happy too. Um, yeah. you know, it's been a lot of injuries where you, you get through, started on the, uh, on the rehab process and you get to that point where they're like, okay, you can go ride now, but stay on groomers and, you know, to go up on the mountain and just ride groomers is super fun, but to have something else to go do and go walk around and spend, you know, eight hours on your board, on your split board and stuff with a pack on and build muscles that you don't normally get to build if you were just shredding groomers at a resort um, is a really, really fun thing. And, and also to just get out of the resort madness, waiting in line, uh, parking your car in some, some parking lot that's far away or whatever, you know, you're really, the beautiful thing of getting out on your split board is for one, it's free. And two, you're not really around a bunch of people and you're definitely going to get some fresh turns. And and that's kind of the beauty of that. And and that's really, um, you know, living in the Sierras here, we have so much good terrain that's accessed only by foot. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, no snowmobiles and, and no resorts. And, and that's been a real big eye opener to, to my new home, you know, the Sierras, like it's, there's so much out there that hasn't been ridden and that I haven't ridden. And there's some big 13,000 foot peaks, you know, and there's some 14ers here. And so it's really just something that I've always wanted to do, but never really had the time to do. Um, so splitboarding is kind of one of those things that I've always done, even back in 2010, 2009 that was kind of really when I first got into it but this is the first year that I really really was on a on a pace of of doing it every day dialing in my gear yeah uh, and really knowing what I'm doing out there that's awesome yeah you, it was really fun you sound stupid well-rounded right now 
<laughs> from yeah, split boarding I, to the contest. Like, I don't know that, I mean, yeah, like the split boarding thing is getting bigger, but boy, it sure doesn't seem like there's that many people that could go feel as comfortable across the different mediums. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, I think it's all, it's all where, where you live too. You know, um, a lot of my friends that are professional snowboarders live in Southern California or, um, you know, other, other places where, you know, it's not, you don't just decide at, you know, 2 PM, like, Oh, let's go for a quick little split, take the dogs yep. and just go get some turns. We, that's the beauty we have here in Truckee and in the Sierras is I can be at the drop spot, putting my split board on in 15 minutes and going and spending four hours and coming home on a nice sunset turn, um, and getting my dogs some energy out, getting myself some energy out. And then also, you know, it, it really is something that's, that's nice after being on a little contest circuit, you know, um, last year, like in December, we had, uh, the do tour and, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the grand prix. And I really just came home and it was good here and I just got to get out, but it's, it's really, you know, it's just, I, I also have a roommate who is, that's his, you know, that's what he does. That's his, his life is all about getting out in the mountains, riding the best snow he can find, going and riding some big peaks, putting himself on some sketchy terrain and Billy Goat in his way through it. And, uh, you know, that's my buddy, Nick Russell, and he's been my roommate for a few years. And he's really the one who's gotten me in touch with that and gotten me stoked on that. So I think having friends who are into it too is a big part of that, you know, and maybe some of the, some of the half pipe contest riders just aren't, you know, or, or even, you know, anybody who's just doing contests, maybe they're not as, as in tune with that because their friends are all riding park and yep. pipe, stuff like that. So it's, it's really just, you know, the, the people I've surrounded myself with too. Yep. As you are, you know, talking with, um, talking with some of the, you know, folks you're competing against, you know, on the kind of contest tour or like at Peace Park, which, you know, obviously we're going to talk about more here in a minute. What's the, I mean, are you finding that there is a bit of a, it, it is split boarding and hitting and touring more on the radar of a number of these contest riders, or is it more like you kind of just said, it totally depends, you know, it just depends on what kind of scene these guys, these kids are in and who they're yeah. running with. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's what you're into too. I think, you know, in many ways, splitboarding sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. You put a lot of work in for a little bit of shredding yep. and it's, it's really, you know, some days you go out and you know, it sucks. Like I've taken my girlfriend out and she's like, dude, this is, I don't ever want to do that again. That was lame. You know, let's yep. just go to the resort, <laughs> just take a bunch Bang of laps. laps. Yep. And, and, um, but it's, yeah, it's just what you're into. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these kids maybe haven't found that side of snowboarding yet and I'm sure they will, or they won't, you know, it's, yeah. and it's really too, just like I said, the people you're surrounding yourself with, um, a lot of my friends here in Truckee, 
and the greater Tahoe area, that's what they're into. They like being on foot. Uh, they don't have snowmobiles. Maybe some of them do, but they're older snowmobiles and they run like crap and it's just easier to be on foot. And, and then we also like to camp. We also like to be out there in the elements and, and really, um, you know, that's just what we're into. And I think some people are into it, some aren't, and some people find it later in life and some find it earlier on. It's just really, um, you know, it's just, that's the way it is. It's, uh, you know, and some, some of these contest kids never even ride pow, you know, when you look at, um, you know, I mean, even look at, you know, Sean, I mean, I think he spends a lot of time in a half piper on, on a slope style course and he's one of the best to ever do it. And he's definitely one of the most talented snowboarders on this planet. But it would seem to me that he just doesn't really ride that much, uh, outside of that. Um, and that's just because that's just, it seems that's not what he's into. So some of these kids just really truly are park rats or, or that's all they know or, or, um, you know, where they live, that's what, what it caters to. So it's, you know, it's, it's the beauty of snowboard, man. There's a lot of avenues and no, there's no right or wrong. If you want to only shred rails at your park, uh, on the, you know, at the mountain, um, that's cool too. There's, you know, it's, it's a good, it's cool. There's, there's no right or wrong. So as you're in your kind of development and growth as a snowboarder, did how what did that sort of progression look like for you? I mean, first of all, how old were you when you first started riding? Uh, I was nine years old, and I grew up in Michigan mm-hmm. on some really small hills. Uh, my home mountain is called Alpine Valley. It's a it's a great place, um, and it's an old gravel pit, I believe, and uh, it's three hundred and six feet vertical, and um, you know, we had a half pipe, we had a couple rails, uh, growing up and that was, you know, that was my life for yeah. a long time was just, I didn't want to ride the mountain. You know, even if I went out West, I was still going straight to the park, yeah. you know, or when we went to Vermont, I was going straight to the park. And, and, you know, I think too, like there is no split boarding to be done in Michigan and split boarding in Vermont or some of those East coast places is really challenging. Um, there's not a whole lot of terrain to go, to go get rad on. So it's, you know, it has a lot to do with where you come from as well. And, you know, my goal was always me and my friends back in Michigan, we always wanted to move to Tahoe and that was just where we wanted to be. And, you know, I was one of the only guys who actually made it there. Um, but you know, once I got here, I still was, you know, just everything that I was doing was was in the park and, and on resorts. So, um, you know, that's the way it began for me. Uh, that's how I fell in love with snowboarding. But I think, um, the way that I've continued to fall deeper in love with snowboarding and like it more and more and learn more is through, you know, the mountaineering and, and backcountry side of it, the more I learn and it just keeps it like really fun. You know, that's, that's kind of, I think, as a surfer, skateboarder, uh, snowboarder, mountain biker, no matter what you do, 
you're never, you've never figured it all out. You've never ridden every trail. You've never ridden every mountain. You've yeah. never skated every spot. You've never surfed every wave. So that that's what, you know, I think keeps us the hobby and the love of it alive is that, you know, you've never figured it all out. You've never, you've never gotten, um, there's, you know, that's the beauty of the, these kind of sports is you're never, you're never figured it all out. You've never done everything. You've never, you know, it's not like a video game where you beat the game. Yeah. Um, you, that never happens. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. And some people, you know, fall in love with snowboarding through ride and park and they do that and then they get over it and they don't snowboard much anymore. And that's just their, that's how they, you know, their, their love of the sport happened and they fell out of it and that's fine. And, but for me, um, you know, the more, the more things I can get into and the more time I can spend out in the mountains, the more I, the more I enjoy it, the more it keeps me stoked. And, you know, we ride so much half pipe or so much, contests and things like that that you know after five or six half pipe contests you've ridden the same pretty much the same thing i mean every half pipe is quite a you know a bit different but you've really ridden the same thing over and over and over again and it really gosh the sometimes you get off tour of the contest tour and you get home and you go ride some power get out on the snowmobile and and ride some fun terrain and you're just like holy shit there it is again you know that's <laughs> That's why I love it. That's, um, you know, and then, and then you do that and you ride and you go to, you go to bald face or you, you know, you get to go to Alaska in April or something like that. Then springtime hits and you get to, you get into a half pipe or you go up to Mount hood in the summer and you get into a, into a half pipe up there, ride some jumps. And then the same thing happens again. You're like, Holy shit. Riding transition is so fun. Like here we are again. And, um, that's really, man, that's just, just the beauty of of uh loving your sport you know hmm. different ways to get stoked on it again and um yeah man i think i think skateboarding is the exact same way you know hmm. um and that's why street spots are so fun you know if you go to a skate park all the time you're riding kind of similar stuff is that a lot of skate parks and then you find this street spot that's got this really cool kind of you know, whether it's a ledge or like some funky little transition that you're skating or whatever, that's, that's the fun part is like finding something that stokes it again. Hmm. You don't sound like somebody who's burned out on contests right now. That's not the vibe, even though you just got done going off on, you know, the beauty of split boarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. is that, do you think for you primarily because... It's, it's this like, yeah, I, I, like I said, you know, I, last season I didn't, I, I wasn't in the pipe as much. I wasn't in contests as much. Like, let's take a step back. Let's hit a different part of the sport, come back, you know, fresh and ready to, to go back into, you know, a more familiar territory, I guess. Yeah. And in many ways that's, that's how it goes. And then, and two, there's, there's sort of the inspiration side of it where, I took a step back maybe and rode more backcountry a little bit last year and dived a little bit more into that side of the sport. Then I, then, you know, the sport progresses and yeah. you got kids, you know, Scotty James is someone who I've been riding quite a bit with this, this fall. And Oh my gosh, like hmm. the sport has progressed and these, these kids have gotten so much better. There's new tricks. There's, um, 
you know, and they're doing them well. Like, I mean, they're doing these double corks and, and, and 1260s and stuff like that. And they look good. They look cool. I mean, some of them, some of them, some of these kids make them look really rad. So then I get inspired and I'm like, hmm. shit, I, I want to go learn <laughs> some new stuff, you know? And, and, and I get stoked. I watch these videos, um, you know, and I, I, that that's that's the part of being a kid again and not mm. taking yourself out of the out of the professional side of it and being the guy who maybe inspires others and getting inspired by by some of the pros um because you're putting yourself in that in that seat again of um you know a uh, a young kid where you're just you're just watching and you're just like oh my gosh I want to do that I want, I can't do that but I want to go do that and I'm going to learn and uh that that's part of it too, man. Finding my friends, watching them on the internet, and seeing where where their snowboarding is taking them, how it's progressing, and and then wanting to go do the same. Hmm. How does this? Do I have this right? Are you are you twenty nine years old now? I am twenty nine years old. Uh, uh, yes, sir. And in the world of the world of half pipe, I mean. The World Cup in August back in New Zealand, um, just a few months ago, I was putting my headphones in right before my run, and it said, the oldest competitor in the event. <laughs> and right. I said, holy shit, <laughs> right before I'm dropping in. Thank God I listen to music, because things <laughs> like that that like pop into your head when you need to focus, that's that's messes you up. But hmm. um whatever you know i i think it's great and you know he was asking me like so are you at a disadvantage and i said well maybe in some ways i mean maybe i'm more sore at the end of the day or i got to spend more time stretching or um you know maybe i'm not as spry as some but like then i also have all this knowledge i mean i'm a better half pipe rider than i ever was you know when i was 21 22 23 um I was good at half pipe, but not as good as I am now. And my knowledge of not only the half pipe, but then contest riding, you know, is, is different now too. Um, I don't get as nervous. Um, I, I can have a little bit more fun up there maybe than some of these kids who are really, really just trying to make a name and really trying to get a result and keep hmm. their points up and stay on tour. And, um, you know, for me, it's, the contest thing is fun and I, I don't feel it's as stressful for me. And yeah, maybe I feel this stress to have to like prove myself that I still got it or whatever. But, um, being 29 and being a, a snowboarder who's, who's still in the game feels actually pretty, pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely your body feels it more. There is some, some sides of it that are, you know, that some of the younger kids aren't feeling, but I, I mean, I just feel a bit like, I don't know, wiser maybe yeah. than, and, uh, I think there, it's a good thing. I, so, I look at it in a good way. I think yeah. you could add it in a bad way, but then I, you know, I get inspired too by, by different, <clears throat> different guys. You know, I was just watching, Monday night football last night and the Falcons quarterback is 32 years old and he's still crushing it, you know? And, and you look at like Tom Brady and some of these other dudes who they're incredible, you know, they're incredible guys. And there's all these really young dudes coming into the sport and basketball and, 
and football and baseball. But, you know, then you have these pitchers like Justin Verlander, who's, you know, is a seasoned guy and he's still crushing it. So it's, you know, and then you look at like, even in our sport, guys like Terrier or Brian Agucci, or then you look at skateboarding like Lance Mountain or, you know, and, and those are the guys who like, you know, I look at that and that's what I want to do. I want to snowboard forever. I don't want, I don't need to be the guy who wins everything or has the best tricks or, um, is winning, you know, every, every gold medal he's ever gone for or anything. I never need to be that guy. I just want to snowboard. I would love to be paid to snowboard forever. Um, and even if I'm not paid, I'm still going to be snowboarding forever, but that that's, you know, those are the guys who inspire me right now are the guys who are still on their skateboards, on their snowboards, on their surfboards. I mean, Kelly Slater, yep. you know, Mick Fanning, you know, in the surf world, the, the, I, I want to be like those guys. <laughs> so I, this is really interesting. I think talking about, you know, like half pipe seems like such a young man's sport for some reason. So I, I want to get you talking about this if I could. Like, I think when we're talking about big mountain riding or even um, racing, downhill racing, right? I think there are things that are obvious about how being older, having more experience under your belt, being wiser, right? It's easy, I think, to see how those things translate really well and really importantly for, you know, downhill racing or backcountry riding. Aside from the fact that you said that as maybe, um, you know, more experienced rider, you aren't feeling the same stress or tension at the, at the start of a contest, you know, like, right. But what is it about riding pipe in particular where, cause I think this might be less obvious. What is it about riding pipe where you're like, dude, here is the tactical reason, the tactical advantages about having done this for, you know, whatever, almost two it's decades. It's the same that you just said, you know, it's the racing, it's the, the, the big mountain side of it, doing a great turn, being able to edge really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in racing, it's all about setting a line, sticking to that line and being able to do that and know that being a really good turner. I mean, there's, you know, Terry is Terry Hawkinson's yeah. maybe 40, 41 and he smokes everybody at these bank slaloms because yeah. he's, an incredible turner. Um, so, you know, and it's the same in the half pipe. You look at Sean, his edging wall to wall, everything he does before he gets in the air is because he's been doing it for so long. It's so perfect. Um, you know, and there's not all these kids are maybe incredible at doing the tricks, but then in the flat bottom or on the wall, they're doing things that are wrong that are sacrificing amplitude or, or slowing them down or making it so it's harder to do their tricks, even though they can do these tricks and make them look really well. Some of them just don't have that yet. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, and, and half pipe riding. Sure. It's a, it's a young man's game. You can land really flat, you know, young knees are awesome to have, but if you take all that out of it and you make sure that you're catching transition every time and your edging is perfect from, from wall to wall, you're, you're right there with them. You're, you're just as young as you need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
that that's the beauty. And when you, you know, even, even on the slope style course, like it's, it's the same way. Like it comes down to speed sometimes and it comes down to being a good turner, being a good snowboarder. And that's where, you know, like we're saying, you know, Peace Park is something we'll get to. And yeah. Peace Park is, is exactly that. It's finding these kids who are good snowboarders on everything. Yeah. Um, they're not just good slope style riders. They're not just good half pipe riders or, or fast at the bank slums. They are good snowboarders hmm. and they have a lot to offer on their snowboard. And that's because they, they truly, you know, they've gotten their ninja stars in so many, so many aspects of snowboarding that, you know, that's why they're invited. That's why they're there because they're an incredible snowboarder. Um, you know, and that's, that's part of snowboarding for 20 years. You know, I said that earlier. I mean, someone was like, how long have you been snowboarding? I said, holy crap, 20 years. Mm -hmm. I haven't said that in a while. Um, you know, and I remember when people would ask me, how long have you been snowboarding? Like, oh, I've been doing it for 10 years. And that seemed like a long time, but now I'm <laughs> double you know, what, what I was. And, uh, it's, it's a good feeling. I feel that, you know, uh, you really learn a lot, um, over the years. And when you go to these contests and you ride a half pipe, it's, you know, some days it's snowing really hard and they got to have the contest. This isn't like surfing where we have the contest on the best day that week. Yeah. You know, if it's qualifying day, it's qualifying day. If it's dumping, it's dumping. And some of these kids only have one run in their head. When they get to that contest, they got to do the run. They've been practicing since July, and that's the run they're going to do no matter what. If the pipe's full of snow, they're still going to be chucking tens. Even if it's three, five feet out, they're still going to be doing those tricks. And then I feel that some of us who have been doing this a little longer, you look at it in a different way. Maybe you grab a different board that performs a little bit better in deeper snow and you, you ride that that day and you kind of have this, this edge above where you're going bigger and you're doing a run that fits for that day. Yeah. And uh, that, that, you know, that's the kind of the stuff that I'm saying that that is what makes it anybody's, anybody's game at these contests. Um, you know, if it was sunny and perfect and a little bit slushy in that half pipe every day, um, every time we had an event, then yeah, maybe it'd be a little different, but that's just not the case. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense actually. And like, I think that really does explain, that's a big part. I think of the explanation of like, dude, that's a huge element of the experience. And being able to audible, you know, when you need to. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, there's a lot of sports too. You can, you know, cross-reference, you know. Um, you know, you look at NASCAR driving. Some of the dudes who are the older dudes, they're, they just know it so well. Yep. They know where to be and, and what to do. And maybe some of these young guys are a little more fired up and a little more hungry and have a little bit more edge or something to them. But, you know, those guys who, who've been doing it for a long time, they've, they've got an edge too. Yeah. To put words in your mouth, but it, what it sounded like I heard you say was the really experienced half pipe riders um, and watchers, it's almost sounds like you're saying like, maybe don't focus so much on what's happening above and out of the pipe pay close attention to what's happening when the rider lands. Like it sounds well, like. Yeah. I mean, in some cases, you know, like 
you might really see a kid do a cool trick, but it's small. And you're asking yourself, well, why, why did that guy go so much smaller? And why did he get a, a lower score when he did way cooler tricks than this guy who got a higher score? Um, but you know, you're looking at what the judges look, you really, you know, you can put yourself in the judges situation and really say, you know, okay, okay, look at how much bigger this guy went. Maybe he, he only did frontside nine where that kid did a frontside 1260, but look at how much cleaner, look at how much more pretty the frontside nine was and look at how much higher it was. And if you're asking yourself why, then yeah, you can start looking lip to lip um, and and see what's going on in the flat bottom or, you know, on the walls. And, and you know, a really good example of that is, you know, I always – reference Sean because he's such a talented rider but you know he's really good to watch if you're if you're keeping an eye on that stuff because what he does wall to wall is is pretty pretty incredible I mean it's not always you know the stuff I like you know his stuff in the air is maybe not always what I what I would like to see out of him but nobody edges better than that guy in the half pipe and that's why he's always going the biggest hmm. What what does that mean when you say his stuff isn't always what you'd prefer to see out of him? Well, I just think Sean <clears throat> feels a lot of pressure to to be the guy pushing the tricks, have the next best trick. Yeah. And really all he needs to do is just go fucking massive and <laughs> do a backside rodeo or a McTwist or a sick back nine or, you know, like he's got a lot of tricks that we never see him do that I love to see him do. Yeah. Um, but he's so focused on getting that 1440 or that 1260 around that, um, you know, and I'm just like, Oh man, just do that. Do the back rodeos you used to do when we were young and do it 27 feet out, please. <laughs> you know? Um, cause I know he can. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, that's super interesting. And I, I'm with you. I think sometimes like, like the less, technical is just can be so much fun to watch and um yeah and i i mean it's relatable too i think that's part of it you know like um you know some of us you know are you know people who maybe aren't a professional snowboarder per se they can do a lot of these tricks so even being relatable and be like oh i can do that trick but holy crap he just did it so perfect and yeah. so big so you're you're relating you know too and i I think what happens a lot too in the world of contests is kids, you know, they, they want to make a name and they want to be the next best rider. So they get that frontside 900 with melon and then they're like, cool, now I'm going 1080, boom, got the 10, now I'm going 12. Like they don't learn it. You know, they're not saying like, all right, what's the coolest way I could do this trick? Okay, yeah. I'm going to grab nose because holy crap, that'll look cool and nobody does that. And, you know, it's just – they're just getting to that next best trick, next best trick. And, and they don't really master some of these tricks. And that's, that's part of it too, you know, is, is really mastering these tricks and really finding cool ways to do it and really finding your own way to do it, putting your own stamp on a trick. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, what is style? Like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that question in the interview. And I mean, if I got to tell you what style is like, yeah. like, come on. But, um, you know, that, th that's what the, why we compete against each other. We're all doing a lot of the same tricks, but the way that we make them look is what, what makes us more popular, more, more fun to watch than the next guy. Yeah. Um, that's, 
that's one thing that I think a lot of kids or few kids do well is really put their own style on a trick and, um, you know, and even getting, getting inspired off other people and, and taking what they do and putting their own twist on it, even though it's maybe the same grab and all that, but the way that they do it, you know, nobody does it like that guy. I mean, you know, nobody does a McTwist like Nicholas Mueller because it's the Nicholas way that he does it, you know, or a frontside 360. I mean, there's nobody I'd rather see do a frontside 360 with like stale than, than Nicholas or, or like, like an awesome, like Todio by Gigi or something like Mm -hmm. that. And these are all tricks that, yeah, everybody can do. And even the kid who's the weekend warrior can do, but the way that they do it Hmm. is why we like to watch them do it. That's, that's what style and snowboarding is, is putting your own, your own stamp on, on the trick. Yeah. So where do you think we are in terms of contest riding, you know, at the moment, like, you know, I know this same, same kind of, um, tension exists on the ski side of things too. Um, you know, where there is always going to be a push for the new technical frontier. And then there's always going to be kind of a bit of a maybe pushback or response with a bit of like, dude, let's just chill with the flippy spinny and like, get back to that. Like, cool. Like get back to that style element. Where do you think we are on the, on the, you know, snowboard side of things with this? Is it like, dude, the wind, where the wind is blowing right now, it's still fully in like more technical, most technical. Um, or do you see things kind of balancing out in that regard? I know I'm asking like as a big generalization, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't really know on the skiing side so much, but in snowboarding, you, you want to have that. You want to have the guys who are pushing sports. And I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing. And it really, I think, more so than ever it gives us a perfect example of of why we watch snowboarding like i don't i don't need to go, see a guy do a 1440 where he doesn't grab very long i mean it's great that he did that and it's great that that's possible but if you're going to do a 1440 and you want to be scored well it better look awesome it better look just as good as your 1080 yeah. or your 900 and uh, there's, like I said, there's a, a small group of people who do that. And I mean, Mark McMorris is one of those kids in the slope style world that, that does those big tricks, but does them, I think, really well. He's really spent time on making sure that if he's going to push to that triple 16, you know, he, he's, it's going to look good and it's going to be proper. Um, you know, and that, that's where also you have the separation of riders and that's, that's great. You know, you have those riders that are, that's kind of their MO is he's the flippy spinny guy. And that's why he's known for what he's doing. But then you've got these style people like, like Scotty Lego, you know, like he was one of my favorite snowboarders still is one of my favorite snowboarders to watch in the half pipe. But maybe, you know, he's not really doing contests anymore. Cause he felt, Oh, well, I, you know, I can't really keep up with the spinning and the flipping and that's, you know, that's what people want to see. But I don't, I just don't agree with that, but you're always going to have that. You've always had that. It's, this is nothing new, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, Xavier Hoffman back when, when I went to my first 
U.S. Open back in like 2004, Xavier Hoffman did like a 1260 and he didn't even come close to touching his board to grab it. Mm-hmm. And people were like, holy shit, 1260, woo, that was insane. <laughs> and and it was, but <clears throat> then you've got, you know, Dan Cass who's doing all this stuff where it's like, looks like he's sleeping in the air. It's so chill and it's so confident and composed. And, you know, that that's just the beauty of our sport is just that there's no right or wrong way to do the trick. And that's where, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, we're getting the you know, aerial skiing or figure skating or whatever. And, you know, we won't get there. That's not because in figure skating, there is one perfect way to do that stuff. This is, you know, you're supposed to land with your arms out or whatever. And there's a gymnastics, you know, there's a perfect way to do it. And in snowboarding that that's, it's exactly the opposite. There's no perfect way to do it. It's all about that person and the way that they do it and their style. And that's, and if your style is flipping and spinning and not grabbing your board that much or making shit look cool, that that's your style is to make stuff that doesn't look that cool. And then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's another guy who that's his MO is making sure the tricks look really cool. And that that's what I grew up loving was, was watching guys who like made tricks just look so effortless and so beautiful. And there's there's guys in, in skateboarding and stuff like that, that it's, it's very similar. You know, they've got a lot of flip trick, flip in, flip out to grinds. And, um, and then you've got these guys that do these massive, like big flip tricks that are all slow and controlled and they land all perfect. And, you know, it's, so it's the same in, in every sport. And I I don't want that to go away. I mean, you're always going to have those flippers and spinners and, you know, sometimes they get scored well, sometimes they don't. And there's always that discrepancy, which is, you know, that's, I guess the only negative in our sport is it's such an opinion. Um, and sometimes the judge's opinion doesn't maybe match what Hmm. a lot of the people are seeing, but that's just the way it goes, you know? Um, and that's the beauty of our sport. There's no perfect way to do it. And that's in some sports there is, you know, there is perfect way that that trick or that thing needs to be done. And in ours, the more different you are and the cooler you make it look and the more create, you know, like that, that's, that's what the, the fun part of it is. Hmm. Well said. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Peace Park. Sure, man. <laughs> uh, so Peace Park 6 airs this Sunday, the 26th. Um, and basically just Peace Park as a thing just seems like the most fun thing ever. <laughs> so how did this first Peace Park come about and, and how would you describe Peace Park? Um, well, you know, I guess I'll talk about how it came about. You know, that there was a time when with Mountain Dew and Burton, every year we would we would do a half pipe shoot, you know, with Burton. Um I remember doing every year we would do a half pipe shoot and it was right when the 22 foot pipes were coming into play. And, um, I remember riding like the first 22 I ever rode was in winter park, Colorado. And we used to do that there. And so we, we all rode, um, you know, we did these half pipe shoots every summer or every spring and it was great. I mean, I loved it. It was super fun. But then, you know, there was a guy at Burton who was working at the time who said, you know, if you, 
you know, if it was going to be your half pipe shoot, like, what would you want to do? If you could like control it, what would, what would be your, what would be your idea? And I said, let's just change it a little bit, please. Let's put like some, some hips into the pipe, you know, like they used to do at Arctic challenge. And let's, let's add some wall rides and some gaps and some rails and, you know, let's just make it a little more fun because we've done these half pipe shoots and we always do. And we just got done riding a whole year of contests in a half pipe. So let's, let's spice it up a bit. Let's make it a little bit different. And the folks at Burton and, and Mountain Dew were sort of the people who were seeing eye to eye with me on that stuff. And they were like, great. So, you know, how do you want to do this? And we linked up with, with snow park technologies who are sort of the, you know, they're kind of the, in, in my opinions, you know, one of the number one guys to work with when it comes to building features, um, in snowboarding. And, you know, so from that year on, it was all about, okay, how are we going to, now, what are we going to do? What are we going to add this time? And the first year it was just a half pipe. We had just a half pipe that had rails and hips and all this stuff, but it was still your straight half pipe. And now um, we've gotten to the point where it's the half pipe is, you know, maybe two hits and that's just one part of it. There's all these different jumps and landings and hips and options. Um, and really it, it leaves it open and it kind of takes that side of, of where you, you know, when you're out in the backcountry and four of us go to a, a slope and it's like, all right, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to come off this cliff. I'm going to hit there. I'm going to do a big bottom turn there. And then I'm going to hit that little spot and do a big, big spray there. And, you know, and then somebody else says, okay, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to come over here and do this. And, and that's kind of where we've gotten to now with Peace Park. There's so many options where, you know, like <clears throat> sometimes Ben Ferguson will ride it completely different than how Mark McMorris was riding it or, you know, and when, and when you look at your conventional slope style or your half pipe, everyone's pretty much riding it the same way. They're taking the same line um, and there's not much creativity of line. And that's where what, what Peace Park started to become about was like, okay, let's make it a little more exciting and make it a little bit more about, you know, the creativity for that rider and what's his line going to be and how's he going to hit the course. You know, there's, you know, it takes it sort of to that skate park mentality where you're watching at X games and these guys have all different lines and you're like, Oh my God, I'm like, look at that line that he picked. Like, how did he get the speed to go into that? And, you know, and, and so it, it it's really become all about creativity, not only in the sense of, of snowboarding too, where you're saying my line's different than the next guys, but also the creativity from the terrain, you know? Um, and that's where working with SPT, you know, we can be really creative because they've built a lot of things all over this earth out of snow. Hmm. And we say, you know, like, Hey, you remember at X games or, or at us open when you guys did that transition jump where it was like half pipe wall to a jump landing, let's do one of those. But, but I want to do it like, you know, a little bit, a little bit different. I want to build like, like a bank landing and I want like a half pipe to like a jump landing, but I want it to be, you know, and you can really get creative in so many ways. Um, and you know, what started to scare me about being a pipe rider and half pipe riding in general was just the, the staleness that maybe that vert ramp saw that, that vert skating kind of went through where, mm -hmm. 
the vert ramp sort of died in a way for a while. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love watching people skate a vert ramp. I think it's, it's real sick and it's old school and it's, it's, um, you know, it's really fun to watch, but there was a time when, when vert skating started to seem like it was dying, um, and becoming less and less interesting because it never changed. And then you saw the vert ramp start to change a little bit. They started like kind of curving some of the walls or they added like a big drop in or like a bank wall somewhere and it allowed more creativity for the riders. And that's, that's what I wanted to do. I was looking at, at the half pipe and we're going to have another half pipe shoot. And it's like, okay, we're going to go do the same tricks that maybe we got a couple new ones from last year, but we're going to go get pretty similar shots. And the only way we're going to get creative is changing the camera angles and the type of cameras we're using and stuff. And, and so it was really just getting, you know, really allowing the creativity to come into play and really allowing there to be more lines and more options to be had. And, uh, and that's kind of where we've landed now. You know, we have this, now it's like a, instead of just being a, a 500 foot half pipe, we have like a thousand vertical feet of just features everywhere, bank landings, hips, jumps, transition some rails sometimes a wall ride and then you know kind of our staple these days at the end of the course has been a big like 22 foot bowl which you kind of never see anywhere so um you know that that's really kind of the story the history of it where it came from and kind of where it's where it's gone now and and the whole reason for it all was simply just to to start something start looking at park riding a little bit differently you know a lot of resorts started just putting a jump line just three four jumps in a row every mountain had their jump line and their half pipe and a rail line and that was it and it was very boring in a sense and now you're starting to see even the terrain parks and stuff start to feed off of peace park i'm not saying peace park is the one that kicked it all off i mean there's a lot of events that you know, have existed. The the bank slaloms have a lot to do with it. Holy Bowly is another event. Mm-hmm. Um, there's these people in Japan that do sort of these bowl kind of contests, and you know, it's so it's it, it's it's been inspired by a lot of people, and we've been inspired by a lot of those um, events too. And uh, it's it's so it's cool. Like you're starting to see it more and more, and you're starting to see these parks get creative and put like there'd be a big berm at the, at the Jackson hole park and a big hip. And like, then you saw like all these mountains start to cut the sides of their jumps with the half pipe cutter, making it possible to like hit the jump from the side and land on the jump landing or take off on the jump, take off and land on the side of the jump. You know, I remember when mammoth mountain was kind of one of the first to really be doing that. And that was long before we started peace park. So, you know, you're really seeing these mountains start to, not just be a basic jump line or a basic half pipe. You're starting to see like stuff get more creative and it's, it's really, man, that's, that's the future. And I think you're gonna, you're gonna see eventually one day something like peace park. That's a new discipline in snowboarding. And maybe they're going to call it slope style or whatever, but you know, it's already happening where there's more transition in the half in the sorry in the slope style courses. Yep. You know, you have these transition jumps and stuff, and the slope style riders they 
they adapt right to it, you know, and it's really cool. Some of the tricks they can do on these jumps. So it's, it's already happening, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if in, you know, five to 10 years from now, something like Peace Park is its own discipline. You have the half pipe contest, you have the slope style contest, and then you have something that's along the lines of Peace Park. That's a mash of both that really, really blurs the lines between slope style and half pipe. We should name it. Don't you think we should just go ahead and name it? Like, what what's that going to be called? I've been trying to name it for years. <laughs> I don't know what to call it, and you know, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the name Peace Park because what it started as, why we called it Peace Pipe, was really how it started. Yeah. It was pieces of a, a of a terrain park put into a half pipe, so it was essentially piece p-i-e-c-e um pieces of a lot of different kind of parts of park riding put into a half pipe so it's yeah. peace pipe but we called it peace because it was about sort of sharing it with all my friends and not you know at the time there was a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on where people were building private half pipes and keeping stuff to themselves so they could learn new tricks against the competition and have an edge and and that was sort of, we were sort of anti that. And we were more about like having all the homies coming together, inspire each other, ride this thing together and really learn some tricks together and open up our, our abilities of snowboarding, really, really explore what's possible um, with our, with our friends. So that, that's really where that name came from. And now we've just kind of continued with it because, well, that's kind of what you do, I guess, when you're, when you're trying to make a brand and stick to um, sort of something that people can, oh, Peace Park, Peace Pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah. something you know, they can remember and sort of continue on. But I think as far as naming a, dis- a discipline goes, you know, it's it's like it's like the Vans Park series or whatever, you know, yeah. like see it in skateboarding. You know, that's where skateboarding's gone too, man. It's moved yeah. a little bit more away from the vert ramp and more about, um, the park series and the street parks and stuff, you know, and because it, it allows for each contest to be different and it also allows for different riders and different athletes to shine in different parks and different, different contests. When you, when you give the same terrain, every contest, you know, chances are you're going to have a similar winner every time. Uh, because the park isn't the, the features aren't changing much mm-hmm. and when you start to change it up you really start to see oh man this guy's really rad and this guy's really rad and he rode good here because he had a cool line and this park really you know this this course kind of catered to him and you know it's the same i think in surfing some of those dudes are really good at certain waves they perform better at some spots than than others because it's just that that's what you know, they, they are better at, they are more, um, so it it just allows more riders to shine too, which I think keeps the sport more interesting, keeps it less dominated. Yeah. You can bring a bunch of different styles in and say, let, and just create a more level playing field. Yeah. And I mean, you know, look at PGA golf, you know, if every golf course was exactly the same, how boring would that be? You know, um, you know, if every course, you know, was the same length and, and had the same sand traps everywhere and, you know, was very similar, uh, it would it would get very boring. 
uh, in my opinion. But the reason that golf is so exciting is the courses are so beautiful and they're all crafted so differently. And there's really crazy deep grass when you're in Ireland or Scotland and, you know, and, and they got the, the, the fescue and some of these golf courses. And then you come to California and it's different. And, you know, like then you go to Georgia and there's a different golf course there and it's different rough. And so you really have these different guys shining in different, different events. Dude. One of the things I love most about this conversation is I think, you know, some people it's like, Oh yeah. Danny Davis snowboarder, right? Like snowboarder. You're talking enthusiastically about golf and <laughs> football and NASCAR. And- yeah, that's that's my folks, man. That we 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 grew up loving sports, you yeah. know. And and I started golfing when I was four years old. That was my grandparents, just what we did together. And I still love to play golf. I played football as a kid. I played baseball as a kid. Um, you know, and NASCAR, like Mountain Dew. Man, the, I don't know if you've ever been to a NASCAR race, but it is like – it couldn't be more of a different crowd than a snowboard event. Right. Um, but there is some some similarities in some ways, uh, maybe mostly the beer drinking and stuff. <laughs> but but um, gosh, like I mean they just – they have all these great things. And, and one thing I think that snowboarding struggles with right now is that we don't really – we don't have one tour or one – we don't like our sport is very confused. We're very focused on the, like, I shouldn't say we, cause we as snowboarders, you know, I think there's a lot of us who don't, don't really care about the Olympics because we see how, how shallow it is and whatnot. But, um, you know, we, you look at the NFL or at major league baseball or PGA and they own their sport. They have one tour that everyone yeah. could follow 365 days a year there's fantasy leagues, there's, there's all this stuff that keep people and keep the sport alive. And people ask me, you know, whoa, snowboarding's going through, you know, the industry's going through, um, you know, a bit of a plateau and whatnot. And I think there's so many reasons for that, but definitely one reason is because it's very hard to follow and Mm -hmm. there's not one tour. There's not one thing that says this is the world champ for this year. And, and it's, it's actually a very hard thing to follow. And I think that, the surfing has done a good job at creating the WSL that it, it's, I love following that tour. There's a qualifying series and there's, there's the pro circuit and they've done a very good job at creating this. And, you know, when the, the problem with snowboarding is when you rely so heavily on the Olympics, you're asking people to be excited about your sport once, once every, every four years. years. Yep. You know, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I love to watch swimming, but, only when I'm, you know, when the Olympics are great. Yeah, let's watch Michael Phelps crush some people in the, in the pool. Um, but, you know, in the same with like speed skating or, or you know, curling. Like I, I don't need to watch that sport every year because it, it, the Olympics is the pinnacle of that sport, at least from the way I understand it. And that, that to me is sort of, sort of the death of a sport is, is really relying on the Olympics to be the pinnacle of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's not a good thing. I think you're like the perfect person to become the commissioner of, <laughs> of our unified, you know, snowboard league. Right. Man, like, it's so hard. It's, I, I, I have these conversations. I mean, Terrier, 
tried, you know, it's really, it's really challenging, man. And it's an expensive thing to do too. try and create a tour and, um, raise money to have these events. These, these events are, are really, um, expensive. You know, there's a lot of diesel burned. There's a lot of, um, it takes a lot to do these snowboard events. Um, you know, and surfing the waves, they make themselves, the earth makes the waves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, so it's, it's a really expensive thing snowboarding. Um, and that's a big part of why our, why our industry is seeing a bit of a plateau, I think is basically, you know, the, the economy, but, but, you know, and that's where Peace Park, I would love for that to become a tour that I can really get behind and really, really, you know, I'm not, I don't want to like, I think the Olympics is great. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I don't want snowboarding in the Olympics or anything like that. I think it gets snowboarding in front of, front of the eyes of many, many people who would not see it. And that's a good thing. It might even, and Olympics might even inspire some kids to snowboard. It might even inspire some parents to be like, I want my kid to snowboard. Um, and that's a great thing. So I, I don't, that's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is that we need one tour that really that people can follow every year and get excited about and get behind these riders and and um, and, and really really and uh, get excited about some of these professionals because they're so incredible and they can follow them year round. And with Peace Park, I wanted to make a tour that was not competitive with the times that the slope style contests are yep. or what the half pipe contests are, but really focus on, on the spring when, when people want to be out on the mountain with their t-shirt on or chicks are in bikinis on the mountain. And that, that's when snowboarding I think is, is kind of accepted by the general public. The most is when it's warm and it's spring skiing and, hmm. and, um, you know, getting some snow on your skin actually maybe feels good or something, you know? <laughs> Um, so I, I really wanted to make Peace Park my, my, my sort of idea. And I get, I get really excited when I think about this and I was have to like kind of calm myself down because it's hard to do. Um, it's an expensive thing to do every year and I, I don't know how I would fund, um, multiple events, but having a tour where it's all about spring riding and when the riders, when these contest riders are sort of not busy with contests we could have a tour that's that's kind of like this this like we said this mash between slope style and half pipe yeah and springy and fun and it's sunny and um you know a time when people really want to be out there standing and watching an event um you know that's what makes sense to me i mean last year at x games it was negative two and you know who wants to be outside standing there you know i'm down to be outside when it's negative too but i'm going to be riding right and, you know, i'm going to be you know you know with my ice skates on or something playing hockey doing being active because standing there in negative two degree weather is just asking for some frostbite or something and um you know but but really making this this tour that that is fun to watch and is something you can follow every year and, uh, you know, really promotes people coming out and watching and having a good time. Uh, so, that's what I think we're missing a bit. So what, what would your idea, I, I, this is an interesting line. Uh, so what would your ideal be then? Are we talking, it would just be a two to three month thing in the spring 
And I like, think- are you imagining like ideal, what's your ideal? Six stops, 10 stops? I mean, that's, that, you're asking me the questions that I have to ask myself when I'm planning the next thing. I'm yeah. like, where are we going next with Peace Park? What are we doing next? Yeah. You know, what's the, and I think that's what I'm saying. I get a little bit too excited and yeah, I'm, I'm like six events and we're going to do it here, 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 and here. And yep. you know, but you gotta, I always have to bring myself back to center and remember that these things don't happen without money and the support of brands like Burton and Mountain Dew and yeah. Dragon and all these brands that really helped me make this possible. I mean, they're really helping me make this thing happen. And yep. it doesn't happen without them. And it doesn't happen without a lot of people doing a lot of work. And so, and, and people need to be paid and that's just yeah. how things go. So things cost money, but I think, you know, we got to start small and we'll get there. You know, um, I think probably back in the eighties when the U S open started, it was just a race once a year. There probably was, you know, and then there was probably quite a few races, but you know, it always starts small and you, you grow. And I think that's what we would do. But in my eyes, what I'd like to see is one event, maybe two in the spring here in the U S maybe, maybe two in the spring and then one in the summer up at Mount hood, mm-hmm. maybe one in Australia or North New Zealand. Yep. Um, because they have more of a springy kind of season anyway. Yep. Um, and then maybe one in the fall to cap off the year on one of the glaciers, you know, sauce Bay or, mm-hmm. or just where I was up at Kitschneinhorn or, you know, something like that, a, a three to five contest tour that, is more based around those times of year when snowboarding, you know, needs something for people to pay attention to, you know, something, you know, I, when, when there's a contest in the spring or something like that, like Bodie Merrill does this, this mini pipe event. And I, I would love to watch that live feed. I mean, I'm there every year, so I'm riding and I love it. But if I was a fan and there was a snowboard event in the summer, I'd love to, to tune in and check that out. Um, and I think that's that's awesome. That's what's you know going to really help our sport continue to to grow is really keeping people invested in it and and excited about it. Yeah. Um, and so that that's where I kind of would like to take Peace Park. And then you know then that opens up also another category of you know what we did this year at Peace Park is we we had a qualifying event. We made it so that you know these kids from all over the country could have their chance to get to peace park to show their tricks to show how good of a rider they are we gave away one golden ticket Hmm. and we had an amateur event and it blew my mind at you know i could have taken five kids from this event but i couldn't afford to do it (laughs) but i could have you know they were so good we had had this kid zeb powell who's from north carolina who was incredible like the kid is going to be an awesome snowboarder. And Zach Normandin was another ripping rider we didn't get to bring out to Peace Park, um, who's going to be also an incredible snowboarder. And then Luke Winkleman was the kid who who won the uh, Okemo event and, and made it out to Peace Park. Uh, and then this other kid, Drew Brownrig, was another shredder that I just – I had to, I only said I was going to bring one kid, but I brought two. <laughs> because I just these kids were so good and so it made me realize that if we're gonna do 
a series of professional events with Peace Park, we need to have a qualifying series. That's for perfect. Kids, yep. For kids to come up, come up through because that not only because well, it only makes sense and that, you know, that every other sport kind of works that way as well. And that's how I believe, you know, you have to you have to learn from all these other sports that are so so successful. You you can't can't not look at these other sports. Um and so when you look at at um surfing, you know, they have the qualifying series and everything too. And and kids come up through and, and get to get to make it to the you know, the world tour through that and i think you would have to have that because that's how you keep the talent fresh and you keep uh and you also keep the sport alive you know you want you don't want invite only always um because then there's no you know what's the reason for a kid to have dreams and aspirations to make it to these events if there's no way for him to get there and and uh when i was young how i came up into snowboarding was through usasa events and that was our qualifying or our regional stuff and then you know we got you 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 made it to nationals and that was everything when i was 13 years old making it to nationals and going to mammoth mountain kids in my hometown are like oh my like damn (laughs) and like you know that was like everything and that's how i came up and and made a name for myself in snowboarding it was really really fun and really really um you know that was a big part of the sport for me yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's a great way to, and USASA still exists and it's still a great thing that's thriving. And I think they have a lot of attendees and it's great. So I think if you're going to do something like a world tour, you need to have that qualifying series for kids to come up through. Hmm. Well, dude, you're right. You started all of this by saying, you know, this stuff takes a ton of money, but the other thing is you got to have a vision you know, and if you have the vision, then you can start getting other people excited about supporting it. And it sure as hell sounds like you've got vision in spades. Uh, yeah, man, lots of vision. You just got to find a way to, you know, and, and take the time, you know, these things too, it just yeah. takes some time yep. when you're, when you're trying to, you know, film a video part or, or do a bunch of contests. It's, it's definitely hard to make the time to do it, but it's fun, man. It's so much fun. Like the Okimo qualifying event was just it. like the kids were so stoked and, and it was really fun for me to see like the future of snowboarding and, hmm. and where it's going. And, you know, these kids, they're, they're really sick, you know, it's <laughs> like alive and well. And, you know, I think to do it on the East coast too, where they don't have many events, yeah, it is really really fun too. Where you know, given giving the uh, the culture of our industry, um, you know, where where it where maybe it's not so thriving, maybe giving it a chance, you know, to 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 thrive a little bit. Very cool. Yeah, man. Um, so this is fantastic, and as we said, I mean, people can check out Peace Park Six this Sunday, uh, the twenty sixth. Um, and they should, I, you've done an incredible job today just talking about what makes the event so unique. The actual snowboarding, but just the time that we have, you know, at this resort, Grand Targi really, you know, they give us an entire lodge. We have a full music set up. We come home from riding every day and we're all staying together 
you know, taking over this lodge and we're jamming, we're getting everybody on the drums and on the guitars and pianos and teaching, teaching each other how to play music. And people are getting on the mic, singing songs and being loud and we can stay up as late as we want. And nobody bothers us. and We don't bother them. And, you know, and so that's part of the show too, is sort of just the antics that happen off hill. Hmm. Um, and I mean, it, it, the show definitely doesn't have enough of that. I think that's some of the most interesting stuff that actually <laughs> happens at Peace Park, or maybe some of the most TV friendly or like, you know, funny stuff to watch. So um, there's a big part of that too, what goes on off hill. Yeah. And these kids are just awesome kids, awesome individuals. And, and that's a big part of it too. So it's, it's a fun show to watch and it's, you know, it's much different than something you'll see on X games or, or, or some of these other contests that, that are on TV. So it's, it's a fun one to watch. Did, were there any snurfing straight line contests this year? You know, it didn't snow enough for us to snurf <laughs> that much. We tried one day, but it only had snowed like four inches. So it was actually borderline dangerous <laughs> out there. And so we actually did a bank slalom this year uh, at uh-huh. the we put gates all over the course. So you'll see that in the show and there's a winner of that. Um, it was, it was sick. We put gates like up on the half pipe walls and you almost you had to do like an air to get over, you know, two of the gates and, uh, man, it was super fun. I mean, it's just, yeah, what we, what we find to do there when the weather's bad or, or something like that is, is just comedy. So <laughs> yeah, man, it was just so much fun. And I, I, I'm really excited for the future of this and, you know, it goes so much beyond just a, a TV show. It's it's a big, it's something that really brings me a lot of joy, and I think a lot of a lot of a lot of the riders and um, and and the snowboarding is incredible. Yeah, yeah, everybody should definitely check it out. I mean, if if past if past peace parks are any indication, I mean, it, it is just a super fun thing with a lot of very sick riding and and a ton of creativity, and it's a very cool thing you you got going here, man. And, and, uh, Thank you. Um, this has been a super fun conversation. Um, really appreciated uh, the time and and all the ideas. Frankly, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah man. You're, you're, I ramble a bit, so you have to stop me sometimes. You know, uh, snowboarding is something that you know. It's gosh, it's it's what I love to do. It's brought me a lot of joy, and I, I'm definitely passionate about it in many ways. So, um, yeah, man, I appreciate the time to, to talk about these things. It's, uh, it's fun for me and it's, it's all part of the brainstorming process for Peace yeah. Park. Well, you know, just yeah. with people like you and, uh, and hearing your questions and what you find interesting. And so, um, I appreciate the time just as much. Cool. So what's your next, what's the next contest then? We've got, uh, the Grand Prix in Copper, Colorado, Copper mm-hmm. Mountain, Colorado. Uh, I think that starts on the 4th of December. So just, just around the corner. Yeah. And that's the first Olympic qualifier. And then we have the do tour, which is, um, one of my favorites. There's always a really good half pipe there. Um, and then we get a little break and hopefully we'll have some snow in Tahoe so I can enjoy coming home and being home for, uh, the holidays Mm -hmm. and getting into the back country. And, um, and then it just continues from there. We have more Olympic qualifiers after that, X Games, yep. U.S. Open, and uh, and the U.S. Open. That's that's a real fun one. You know, that's kind of one of my favorite contests, and and really the first contest I ever did. Hmm. So uh, 
it's that's a fun one for me. So it's it's big year contests and um looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, dude, this has been really fun. I appreciate it. And uh yeah, I let's do it again sometime. Maybe we'll just maybe the whole time next time we'll just talk football and basketball and golf. <laughs> oh yeah, man. You can get me going about that stuff. <laughs> The Lions are pretty good. Detroit, Detroit Lions aren't usually good. It's been a long, It's been hard to be a Lions fan for my whole life, and yeah. it's actually like a treat to watch them now. Like they actually win games. They have a winning record right now. They're challenging for the wild card spots. So um, I'm looking. You know, football's looking better than ever for me. <laughs> Lions are actually decent to watch. So it's it's great. Well, dude, thanks again. And um, yeah, again, uh, everybody can check out Peace Park this Sunday. And um, we can start following along with your contest series. Man, December 4th at Copper, you said? Yeah, that's when practice starts. And I think it's so it's that weekend, that first yeah. full week of December. And yeah. Uh, yeah, tune in. I'm sure there'll be, there's, it's probably on the internet or something yeah. like that. So it's going to be some good riding. And uh Looking forward to another good winner. Yeah, awesome. Well, Danny, thanks a lot, and we'll uh, hope to talk to you again soon. All right, John. All right, take care. Bye-bye. See ya. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Danny Davis for the conversation, and be sure to check out Peace Park 6 this Sunday, November 26th, on ABC at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Thanks also to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, and to the Mountain Collective for sponsoring this episode. Go to mountaincollective.com to get your Mountain Collective pass, then come ski with us in Telluride this winter, or go visit a bunch of mountains that ought to be on your bucket list. Talk to you next week.